You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. It is Thursday the 10th of March, just five days until the Cheltenham Festival, in case you hadn't gathered. It's a lovely, beautiful, bright morning here in TW11. I think the west of the country is getting a few sprinkles, but it's it's very nice here as we uh, approach uh, the most celebrated four days, as it still is, in the sport. And it has really all been about decisions, decisions the last couple of weeks, which races will horses go to. And will horses run at the fixture at all? One of those sort of key will-he-won't-he horses has been the the giant Hillcrest. There won't be a bigger horse running at the Cheltenham Festival this year, measuring over 18 hands. Uh, his trainer, Henry Daly, looking for his fourth Cheltenham Festival win. And it's sort of been suggested that this wouldn't be the absolute be-all and end-all if he didn't run. Well, I've been in touch with the trainer this morning, and uh, this is what he had to say. Ken didn't conclusion that if the horse was well, which I think he is, we, the plan is to go. So the plan is to run in the in the Albert yeah. Bartlett, definitely? In the Albert Bartlett, yes, in the Albert Bartlett, not the two and a half mile on the principle that, as I said to you earlier, Nick, that we, we know we get the trip. We know we don't mind the track. We don't. The ground is fine for anything from good through to heavy. So why wouldn't we have a crack at it if he if he's okay, which he is? Uh, I mean, you you made quite a bit about the, the schooling after he was just a bit sort of, um, how can I put it, sort of disrespectful of his hurdles at Haydock? Yeah, well, it was very interesting. I rang Yogi Brazer after Haydock on the Sunday morning and he said uh, I said did you watch the race and he said yes and he said um, yeah he does that thing where he takes such a long stride his back end overtakes his front end <laughs> yeah so he just said we, if we can <clears throat> change that and help that a bit um, wouldn't hurt and we schooled him on Tuesday morning having been a couple of times to Laura Collins with Yogi there with Laura riding um, we schooled him yesterday morning and he, he jumped nicely uh, and I'm guessing and I think he will miss one you know, I, I can't get over that. Uh, you know, but if we can, if we can only miss one, not three, that would be a bonus. Yeah, um, and I'm guessing Richard Patrick um, will be riding him. That I, I, see, I assume that I didn't even discuss that. Um, well, he's the, he, he's the sort of most undertalked rider of the of the whole festival, really. Given if he's going to be riding a very fancied horse, uh, he's a, he's quite a cool customer. For those people who don't know an awful lot about him, what do you like in him? <laughs> What do I like in him? I mean, he, he rides, look, he rides very nicely. He has obviously certain advantages for me. For the most part, he, he is available. Um, whereas, unfortunately, I mean, not unfortunately, but just one of the, the fact of life that if you like Tom O'Brien, it's the same with Richard Johnson or whatever, that AP, whoever you would like to put on horses, they were often not available. And Richard, 99 times out of 100 is, unfortunately, <laughs> nearly say tomorrow or the day after it, he's not available in because he's riding an Imperial Cup and not a Hereford, but that's the way the cookie crumbles. Um, and he he's very sensible, not too flash, and does the job nicely. Um, you were sort of humming and hawing about whether Fortescue was going to have his Grand National prep at the festival. Have you got any closer to a decision on that? Uh, well, yes and no. We have kept him in the um, Ultima, but he's really, <laughs> as much as any, he's got very fresh. And if we can avoid being that fresh, I think it would be a good thing. We will either run him in the Ultima or t- 
taking for a race course gallop somewhere. So that's what we're doing. Okay, so so that you'll just you'll just push that till till Sunday, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, and and you are definitely going to run wrapper, aren't you? That is the plan again. Either depending on the rain situation, either in the ultimate or or the or the Kimmel and the it depends how much it rains. Really, I'd like to run him in the ultimate. Henry Daly there. Well, that is a jolly way to start the day. It's put, put a smile on my face for sure. Um, because one of the horses, Jane Mangan, uh, RT and Racing TV broadcaster, I'm most looking forward to seeing at the Cheltenham Festival. Um, nice way to kick off the show. Yeah, and he's the real deal. He's not just a puff piece. This guy has done it. And he looks like, okay, the best days are probably well ahead of him. But I'm, he, he adds so much more appeal to that Albert Bartlett. I, I think this is a genuine top-class contender. And I hope he can prove it now on the biggest stage. Uh, he, he, much is made of, of his size. I mean, you've ridden horses of, of all shapes and sizes uh, uh, over the last few years, Jane. If you're riding one that is that big, sort of north of 17 to 18 hands or whatever, um, does it invariably take longer for the brain to communicate to the legs or not necessarily? Not necessarily. Sometimes it takes them a little bit longer to organise themselves because their stride pattern is so much bigger. So when they get in tight, they can often be a little bit um, untidy. And this horse has been a bit in that department and Henry's been quite communicative in in that Laura Collett and Yogi Breisner have been doing work with him. So they have been addressing some of those issues. But uh, I know a lot of people will think, I can't wait for him to go over fences next year. But I think a lot of people would accept an Albert Bartlett uh, along the way. Uh, they would. And of course, one of his key rivals, though this will not have been anything to do with uh, Henry Daly's decision. He, he'll, he'll, he'll say that readily enough. Um, one of his key rivals, Manella Kruner, won't run, which is a, a great shame for him and his owners. And um, John, John Allen, who's been talking an awful lot about the Manellas recently, uh, he has met with a setback. Um, so he reduces Gordon Elliott's string from about 952 to 951, Jane. Yeah, he um, obviously, very good run at Christmas. He was he was second to journey with me, and then a very good run at the Dublin Racing Festival. It looked like this three miles was really going to bring out the best in him, and hopefully it will in the future. I hope it's nothing too serious. We had that news yesterday. We had the news that Gabby Naco was going to be supplemented for the Arkle. There's a couple of shufflings of the pack last minute uh, changes, but as you say, Gordon is going to be well represented. But I suppose for his owners, uh, so close to the meeting, owners don't really want to be answering the phone to their trainers for fear fear that they might get such bad news. Uh, now you mentioned Gabby Nacco being supplemented for the Arkle by his trainer, Gavin Cromwell. Uh, one uh, much sharper observer than me on Twitter yesterday, I'm taking no credit for this, pointed out that there were only two definite runners for the Turner's Novices Chase, uh, Galapande Shaw and Bob Ollinger. Now, they might be two of the most exciting young horses to run at the Cheltenham Festival, Jane, but my God, if we get a, a, a four-runner or a three-runner, or dare I say even a match, for one of the grade ones, all hell's going to break loose, isn't it, in this debate about how many races there are and how many opportunities there are. You would wonder, is that what uh, we need to shake us into submission, to open our eyes to what the reality of splitting up all all these horses are and all these options? Um, At the moment, top of the market is Bob Ollinger and Gallup and Deschamps. There's very little between them. Lompresse looks like he's going to the Brown Advisory as does Braveman's Game, Blue Lord and Riviera de Tell going to the Arkle. Jungle Boogie doesn't go anywhere. Autumn Colour, St. Sam, Capodano all look like they might go uh, down and trip or up and trip. So yeah, that, that's a fair observation. We could end up with a match race at Cheltenham. Should we really be surprised, Nick? No, we shouldn't. We shouldn't. Uh, and and it, it got me to thinking that 
actually the whole debate about four days or five days is a bit of a red herring. Isn't, it, isn't the debate not actually how many days you have, it's what races you have. Um, because if you wanted to, you could make every race as, uh, as competitive as could, as could be. Now, people say, oh, well, you just loaded up with more handicaps. Well, actually, I, I Jane, wouldn't be that bothered if you, had, if you had a couple more handicaps, if they were going to fill. What I would be more bothered about is, is too many grade ones, too many graded opportunities. Because whilst the purist in me says, yes, you want as many grade one races as possible, the, the more grade ones you put on, you're going to get too many small fields. It's, it's self-evident because the, the way the pyramid is, is a pyramidical structure. You get fewer horses of you know, 150 plus ability. Hardly any horses are going to be of that level of ability. If you put on three opportunities for novice chasers of that caliber or four opportunities with the three mile six race for novice chasers of that caliber, what are you expecting other than, other than short fields? I'd much sooner, sooner have two or three novice chases rather than four conditions races and rather bring back the old novice handicap if you're going to do that you know if that it, it, i think the whole thing about four or five days the, the days thing is a bit of a is a bit of a red herring it's about what you're putting on in those days the days is more um thinking of money bags and thinking how many how, how much money we can really get from it that's that's why a lot of people are putting the emphasis on days rather than the actual races itself and of course that's what we should be concentrating on competition uh, we're on about diluting competition it doesn't matter if it's 20 days it, the, the number of races as you say that uh, that's what really matters um there's only so many good horses to go around a lot of them are concentrated in the big yards, so the big yards are going to split them up as best they can to try and win as many races as they can because that's the logical thing to do. Mm. But if you actually force their hand, um, when you, you tighten up the number of grade ones, of course, that's, that's what's going to make for the best. If this is really the championships, if this is really the podium where you get your gold, silver and bronze medal, then that's where the best races should be. And if we're splitting them up, then of course, you're just not going to get that. It's, it's very simple. But I... I what probably frustrates me a lot is we are almost resigning ourselves to a sense of inevitability that it's going to happen when we know it's completely the wrong thing to do. And are we setting ourselves up to just burn the product in the long run? Of course we are. Well, yeah, as I say, I mean, I, I, I think there's a, there's a debate to be had. If, they, if they're insistent on a, a fifth day, then te- tear, up the, tear up the program and not start from scratch, but have a complete rethink about what races you want to put on and what races are going are gonna to fill. Um, it's an anxious time for owners, trainers, jockeys, everybody in the lead up to Cheltenham, hoping these horses stay sound. Uh, it's also quite a high pressure time if you, you've been charged with buying a lot of these horses, because really it's the four days on, on which your, your business thrives or, or falls. Uh, Tom Malone is Bloodstock Asian responsible for nearly 50 odd horses who are going to run at the Cheltenham Festival. Uh, I've been talking to him. I put it to him that brave man's game, an expensive buy from the Tattersall's Cheltenham Festival sale, was his team captain. Oh, definitely. Like, he's unbeaten over fences this season. He's taken on the big boys and he's beaten them all and he's climbed from race to race. He's looked more impressive. Um, so, yeah, no, he's definitely the team captain. All right, so how did you pick him out? Where did you buy him? How did the, how did the sale come about? Well, look, as people know, I... I'm very big on the Irish point-of-point scene. And uh, the day in question he ran, he ran in a place called Linkstown in Wexford. But he probably wasn't that fancied on his homework because there was three meetings the same day. And Rob James is the principal rider for Dunica Doyle. He went to another race meeting. And JJ Walsh got the leg up on this lad. So I think 
this horse really took them by surprise and I just loved what I'd seen in the race it's very hard to do it at Linkstown he turned at the top of the hill after the 17 hands he sprinted away from the field down to the last winged it and won they couldn't pull him up after the line that's a good sign in a race that's a bloody good sign that is so he he galloped out through the line really strongly and then then where was he offered for auction and, and how did you pick him up he came to Tatterstall's Cheltenham sale, which is a brilliant initiative that they've started at the festival sale because there's been plenty of good horses sold in, in at this sale. It's only a select number. They can only have, I'd say, it's about 25 or six horses. And he ended up there that day. And I said to Paul, Paul, if we don't buy this horse, we, give, we may as well give up and not buy any more. Uh, this is the horse we must buy. It was the only one we bid on on the night. And I said, we've got to go. And... We, we hear a lot lately about point-of-pointers and the fact that they're not coming to England. But on that night, we bought him ourselves, myself and Paul. So we're, we're trying very hard to make sure we're getting the best horses, but it's not always, we don't always have an owner ready with the funds to pay for it. But that night, the pair of us said, right, come on, let's do it. We paid 370000 for him, and he was sold five minutes later to two owners. And yes, if we hadn't bought him, he wouldn't have been sold and he'd have been somewhere else. So it's there's a lot goes on behind the scenes that people don't really see. And is there anything in, in what you've seen that makes you think that, that he can't be just as effective around around Cheltenham as anywhere else, even though he, he sort of slightly wilted late on in, in last year's Ballymore? See, the the other thing that was didn't come to light, like Harry said, and as much as the video, there's a brilliant uh, camera work of... Um, Richard Blackmore arriving alongside him and running away on Bob Ollinger but Harry said that he was slightly making a noise at the top of the hill and, and the end of a long season it probably got to him in the end because I don't think he ran his true race there or entry but the but the horse has had an extra year under Paul's guidance he's stronger he's a man now I don't think Cheltenham is an issue to him one one bit. I think he'll be fine this year. I think I think we'll see the real brave man's game at Cheltenham this year. And no no sign of a noise this time round in any no, of his races. It's amazing. No, it's very, it's it's quietly amazing. There's none of none of it this year. None of it. It's quietly amazing. It is. So there, there was just a, there was just a hint of a, of a breathing issue in, in last year's race. I mean, you've ridden a, you've ridden enough horses, Tom. Do you think sometimes those things only manifest themselves when you get into the real, as the Aidan O'Brien would call it, into the red zone? Yeah, I would say that, but you if you're not on peak shape as well, if, if you're not really at the top of your game, and I'd say that horse wasn't physically strong to take on the men that day or entry. So he got beat twice late on in the year. Early in the season, he looked, he looked unstoppable, and I just thought it got to him. Whereas this year, he's got better with everyone. You'd, need, you'd nearly even say his last run was a career best and the best performance he's put up this year. You've got a load of other horses that you bought going to the, the festival. Stage star, you've got a gazillion owners in the owners' group, so you've got a lot of people to keep happy, Tom. Uh, to be fair, their their team keep them very happy, and they're, they're, it's brilliant for racing. They bought him as a store. Um, he was out of a mare that I knew very well when I was riding in the West Country called Sparky May. Mm. You remember her, Nick? I remember, I remember her very well. She, she, yeah, she, she beat a horse I was involved with by 10 at Newbury one day, and we couldn't work out how we'd been beaten. Yeah, and she was a, a Pat Rodford trainer. Uh, just a great story she was. And I remember following her. And obviously, he's by fame and glory, who I love. And he arrived on at the store sales. And we picked him up for 60,000 euros, which I thought was a, 
a lovely price and he's turned out to be a real good horse and, and he'll be in the mix now. He's, it, he's a decent animal. It's quite funny because um, Sparky May, I fancied her like mad for the mayor's hurdle at Cheltenham and she was second to a certain Quivega and it, it's great to see Quivega with Facile Vega and, and Sparky May with Stage Star both represented at the festival. That's brilliant and it shows that there was an old saying that the really good mayors don't often produce good stock and well that's put to bed because there's two decent grade one animals in the in the making so yeah i can't wait for it well what about a, a really good mayor winning for you then this year what about riviere detail in the in the arkle well i i'd nearly go as far as to say she brings potentially the best form to the table really because she's taken on fernie hollow and only just gone down she made him work right to the line in leopardstown apart from a bad mistake at the last where she kind of winded herself and got going again to Blue Lord. Um, she's a hell of a mare. Like she was only beaten six lengths in the Fred Winter last year, or the Boodles. Um, and she was on the pace and the winner came from a long way behind because someone was questioning her Cheltenham credentials. She's nearly 17 hands. She was a three rising four-year-old running in Cheltenham beating six lengths. It's hardly a bad run. And I, I just think that we've seen the mayor this year and, and Gordon assures me she is bouncing at home so you know getting that mayor's allowance and Edward Stone has looked a monster this year I really like that animal but it's going to be a hell of an article it's going to be a really good arc. I mean, they're all interesting stories, these, aren't they? I mean, Brave Man's Games, uh, quite a charismatic horse that people have really warmed to. Big money purchased from that Tats Festival sale. Stage star with a huge amount of owners. Riviere de Tell, a mare against the boys in the Arkle. Um, Time White for the, the late Andy Stewart and, and his family. That would be a, a hugely poignant success. And the, the other one I wanted to talk about was Little Adagio, who, uh, you know, you, you got out of a claimer in France. Oh, he, he staggers belief that that hours actually the day we claimed them I, I rang Dave Pipe and I said I've just put in a claim for this horse and I remember the guy in France had done it for me Nicky Belanda I said uh, he was in for 14,000 to be claimed and he was after bolting up and I went wow we have to have this horse uh, I said put in 25001 for him and he said, you won't need to put in that much. I said, don't care, put it in. We must have this horse. So as I put down the phone, I'm starting to shake because I, I always get a good feeling on a horse. I want it. And I rang him back. I said, put in another claim, put in 30,000 on him. I, I, we can't miss this horse. We have to have him. He said, no, there's nobody here. I promise you 25 will buy him. Thankfully, I listened to him and the 25 bought him. But after I bought him... Uh, a lady trainer, I said, can you just go and have a look at him, make sure he's all, all right and everything's okay. And she saw, she came back and she says, oh, I'm after hearing bad stories about this because he'd ran in two good maidens in, in France on the flat and was placed in both and then dropped into the claimer four months later. You kind of you get a bit wary, you do. Something's gone wrong. And uh, she said, I heard he broke his shoulder. And as... I had heard that. I rang Dave to tell him he'd sold it to Caroline and Brian in the office. I was going, oh, no, we can't tell it to them. No, tell them, please. No, they're not having it. I said, please. They're, I said, they're not having that horse until he arrives in my yard and I know he's sound. Uh, the, the lady in question rang me back and says, oh, Tom, sorry, I was I was talking about a different horse. I'm sorry, they told me the wrong horse. <laughs> well, I he arrived. He arrived home in my place and got off the box, and he was a belter. And I thought, right, we've done well here now. So, and the rest is history. And if he wins the champion hurdle, that'll be it. That'll that'll be your epitaph, won't it? As a buyer. Well, you know, when you pay a lot of money for a horse, it should work out. It doesn't always, but it should. When you nick something like him, it's a feel-good factor to it. It's really for everyone, for trainer, for owners, for everyone. 
Um, but this game with tame lines, so no one's ever right in this game all the time. You could say it's a brave man's game. Tom Malone, thanks so much. Thank you. Ah, Tom Malone there. Uh, Jane, I mean, Jane, that was a very interesting piece. And, and clearly, uh, you know, Adagio would be an amazing success given how little money he costs. Brave man's game costs plenty, as he said. Very interesting point he made about Harry Cobden saying the horse made a noise in last year's, uh, in last year's Ballymore. Um, something I hadn't heard before. Yeah, something for sure I wasn't aware of either. Maybe we should have, because he always wears a cross husband and tongue tie, which would um, lead you to believe there. There's a little issue there and um, I'd imagine they've had a little bit of work done and hopefully that'll bring out a little bit more improvement but that is something I hadn't heard before albeit I probably shouldn't be surprised. Um, Tom has bought some fantastic horses in the past and probably the best of all of them will be on violin who's still at this stage mm. in the champion chase. Mm. Uh, he hasn't found his form but it just goes to show how the, the rails can really come off the, the tracks for these horses because if you had asked anyone over the last three or four years what is the horse you would dream of riding or training or breeding or owning it would be on violin and now we're going to Cheltenham when he's finally in his open year he's running in a gold cup rather than or sorry in a champion chase rather than the gold cup which we all expected him to be running in and nobody's even mentioning his name because it just looks like he's a shadow of his former self Mm, well, maybe he will remind us exactly how talented he is. Um, it'll be an interesting day for his owner, Richard Thompson of Cheaply Park Stud, because I think he's going to announce later today, I think, uh, whether Sir Gerhard's going to run in the Supreme or, or the Ballymore. Um, I know Sky Sports have been promising us an interview with him this afternoon, so uh, you might well find out. Uh, there were 10 confirmed for the champion hurdle. Not confirmed, but at, at the latest entry stage, it'll be a maximum field of 10 for the champion hurdle. Um, no massive surprises there, save for the fact that the, the Chibli Parker and Calixios, the Triumph Hurdle winner from last year, doesn't go. You've heard a little bit about um, Adagio. Uh, any reason to think in your mind, Jane, that your your love, your adoration for, for Honeysuckle can in any way be diminished? Not particularly. Um, we haven't heard any negative reports. The the field is going to be a small one. There's only nine left in it. Um, I think tactically it lo- it looks very you know, straightforward for a mayor that looks very straightforward. So um, at this stage, it's it's very much an Irish-dominated field, appreciated to Hoopo. Uh, Epitant is the next best in there, and you mentioned Adagio as well. But um, the crowds didn't get to appreciate the mighty mayor last year. I, I don't know if I have, if I remember a mayor that is, or a horse in Ireland that has garnered as much following as this mare and quite rightly so because she's never let her punters down or her supporters down I wasn't around for the era of Dawn Run I don't remember John Joe O'Neill getting that reception but I will be there on Tuesday and I pray that she lifts the roof Are uh, you working with me on Tuesday? I'm not I'm swanning around like a social butterfly on Tuesday Are you working with me on Wednesday? Yes Oh well, no, don't have to wait too long that's good news that is good news <laughs> Okay, don't forget the Racing Post Members Club um, is the ultimate subscription for racing fans, featuring unlimited access to the Racing Post digital newspaper from 9pm the day before it's out in the shops, which is a huge advantage when you're doing your festival prep, as I will be next week. There's award-winning online content, daily tips from renowned tipsters such as as Tom Siegel, whose price-wise record at Cheltenham is legendary, replays from all the UK and Irish racecourses, and so much more. If you subscribe today to the Members Club, 
uh, you'll get your first month for just £9.99. Head to racingpost.com. It's a special offer for our, our listeners. Racingpost.com forward slash Nick Luck Daily for the full terms and to find out more. Well, there'll be lots of results that will be popular next week. I don't think there'll be any that would be quite as uh, popular as a victory for, for Dave Maxwell, who has uh, become an incredibly well-known figure on the National Hunt circuit. Um, a, a redoubtable, irrepressible amateur rider with a zest for this game that few possess, uh, riding his, his own string, and it's a decent string as well. Uh, Dave, how good a chance relative to other years do you think you've got of, of doing it this year? Oh gosh. Um, well, who knows? But I, I, I'm reasonably hopeful. I think Bob and Co's got a great chance in the Fox Hunters. Paul's horses seem to be coming into a bit of form, and uh, I saw Harry Cobden at the races yesterday, and he said, you know, they've just, they've all just turned in their coats. You know, they, they're just, they've, you can see the spring in their coats. You know, they're they're just all feeling a bit better, and um, uh, so hopefully, um, if Paul's horses are in good nick, um, Bob and Co's got a great chance. And you, you, are, you have made self-deprecation a bit of an art form, but you know anyone can see how many winners you've ridden now. You've got an awful lot of experience on, on these horses. Bob and Co, you and Paul have sort of turned, turned around from being a bit of a certifiable loony to a, to a horse that's pretty tractable and, and pretty, pretty rideable. Yeah, he's really calmed down, actually. We're going to take the hood off him for Cheltenham and uh, yes he was a bit of a lunatic when he came from France but um, uh, no, he, he's much um, he, he's much easier to ride these days we're both a bit older I think that's probably it and and hopefully no wiser at all otherwise you wouldn't be doing it oh definitely I'd say well yeah I, I'm, I'm not going to say it's not that dangerous but it it, it, it feels okay um, this is good news. So Bob and Co and the Fox Hunters, I, I thought one of the, your most memorable victories, not perhaps ever, was the, the sort of last gasp win of Cat Tiger at, at Ascot earlier in the season. Where did that rank amongst the sort of um, Maxwell highlights reel? Would, would that have made it? Oh, that, that was um, that was really fun. It's it's always great just to win by such a narrow margin because you know, I, I genuinely thought I hadn't got there that day. Um, and so it's, it's nice to win just by that very smallest of small margins. Um, he's a really lovely horse. He'll run really well. My concern for him is just that's a really competitive handicap and, you know, he's up seven pounds for that win and you know whether the handicapper maybe just has um has the measure of i don't know i i suspect maybe he does but i mean remember he's a grade three winner in france he's um uh he's in great form this year he's a super accurate little jumper and i think he i think he'll really enjoy cheltenham actually is he is he the sort of horse you ride where you walk out to the paddock and think yes i'm really looking forward to this he he's a he's just a nice ride he absolutely is. And, you know, in direct contrast with Bob and Co, who basically, <laughs> after the first time I rode him, in the two weeks between that and the second time I rode him, I basically didn't sleep at night. You know, I'd wake up in a, in a cold sweat about riding that horse. Um, but um, but Cat Tiger is, is an absolute joy to ride. Uh, and so you've got those two. So Bob and Co and the Fox Hunters. Cat Tiger, I guess, and the Kim Muir. Exactly. Yeah, and and uh, have you got a few others dotted around? Just got one in in the cross country race horse called Feu de Large, um, who's trained by uh, Patrice Canton in France, um, and um, I mean he would have he will have no realistic chance in that. I wouldn't have thought. Um, he's a he's he's okay over uh, cross country fences. He's a bit slow, and they go quite quick in that. Um, but I was keen to have a, a, a 
a spin around the cross-country course at Cheltenham. Who knows when I might have another opportunity. And I don't want to incur uh, your wrath, more particularly, I don't want to incur the wrath of your wife. Um, but are you are you restocking? Are you are you getting a few more horses? <laughs> yeah, we need a few more for next season, actually, because this this group are getting a bit uh, they're getting a bit older. I, I had far too many um, pre-pandemic, and it was just um, mixing. You'll know this, Nick, as a as a father of daughters. Um, you know, mixing uh, family commitments and work and racing is is quite a balance. And um, uh, when I was chasing amateur riders championships. Um, it was a sort of numbers game, but now it's more about um, now it's more about just keeping a balance and having some nice horses to ride. But for sure, I will have to get a few uh, more nice ones coming through for next season. Yeah, I suspect that the the Maxwells may have a similar view on 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 how many horses you've got as as my family do on this on this podcast. Dave, thanks so much for chatting to me. Complete pleasure, Nick. Ah, the ever engaging uh, David Maxwell, Jane. That'd be a good result, wouldn't it? If he if he got a winner at the festival. Oh, Bob and Co. Very good chance. Um, I am. Um, I'm. I'm strong on Billaway this year, but he actually took the scalp of Billaway at the Punchestown Festival. David Maxwell has, I suppose, invigorated a lot of inspiration in people. Uh, his success has been brilliant. His post-race interviews are are even better, and he's he's a real amateur. That's what I I think. Uh, I admire him so much for. He's successful in both walks of life, both professional and um in the in the saddle as well so look i i, I think he's major chance paul nicholas is very happy with his horse he, he gave a positive report about him during the week and i don't think anybody would um begrudge david maxwell Cheltenham Ch- Ch- festival success albeit he's gonna have to be good because this year's mm. hunters chase field looks like a good one it does look like a good one um jane no one is going to begrudge you if you manage to tip them a winner this afternoon are you going to Funny, I'm, I'm going to go to a hunter's chase at Thurless and um, I do think Patrick Mullins could win the Fox Hunters this year with Billaway and I think he could win today's hunter's chase with Goodbye Sam in the appreciated colours of the Masterson family. So Goodbye Sam in the 225 today at Thurless. Beautiful, Jane. Thanks so much. That was Thursday, March the 10th. Don't forget, if you do enjoy this podcast, please do tell your friends in the build-up to Cheltenham so much uh, to bring you over the next few days. Uh, You can subscribe to us as well and give us a rating and a review if you've got a few moments and tell us what you'd like to hear more of. That's it uh, for today. We will see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. (music) 